This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sport of Pro Wrestling podcast. I am Chris Sampsa, and this is your New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 30 Night 16 preview. New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax 30 will continue with its third-to-last block card of the tournament on October 14th in the first New Japan event from the new Yokohama Budokan Arena. The beautiful new venue will play host to the B Block as they battle through their eighth card of the tournament. Unlike the A blocks, four wrestlers locked at the top of the block with, through seven matches. Only two wrestlers have reached 10 points at the same point in the B block. Evil and Tetsuya Naito are tied at 10 points at the top of the block, with Evil holding the clear and definitive tiebreaker via his victory over Tetsuya Naito just the other night. Three more wrestlers are still very much in the hunt, as Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., and Hiroki Goto all sit at 8 points. Four more wrestlers sit at six points, technically able to tie the block leaders at 10, but based on all of the tiebreaker scenarios that we've run, the only wrestler at six points who can possibly win the block is Kenta, so he is still alive with the slimmest of chances. So slim, I left his E in his elimination number column. Of course, you can find my complete statistical breakdown for every competitor in this year's G1 Climax at VoicesOfWrestling.com. I have interactive, sortable tables for NJPW's 2020, detailed results and statistics of all 1,530 G1 Climax matches to date, yeah, that's right, as well as a full box score for this year's tournament at sportofprowrestling.com. You can let me know what you find when you drill down some of that data, or if you're just poking and looking at stuff yourself by dropping me a line on Twitter at TheChrisSamsa. Now, logistically, this show is going to begin at 6.30 p.m. Japan Standard Time on October 14th, 2020. The venue, the brand new Yokohama Budokan. This will be the first New Japan event from the new Budokan. Um, Let's see, local time conversions. Let's see, Sydney, Australia, we're looking at 7.30 p.m. Uh, 6.30 p.m. in Tokyo, as mentioned. 4.30 a.m. for me in Chicago. This is one of our very typical start times for these New Japan G1 events. You can watch live or on demand on NJPW World. And if you're using NJPW World, you should really check out NJPW EXT. NJPWEXT is the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like synchronized viewing parties, dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, and much, much more. It takes NJPWWorld to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. So we're talking about the B block again. Uh, We're back to that after the last card ended with Evil defeating Tetsuya Naito in, I guess, something of a surprise. If nothing else, that match certainly could have gone either way and nobody would have um, 
been super surprised by it because evil beat naito earlier in the year and evil now beat naito twice this year so so that sets the stage for where we're at now let's take a peek at our sport of pro wrestling box score Evil and Tetsuya Naito do both sit at the top of the standings with 10 points. Of course, Evil holds that ever-important tiebreaker. Um, So Evil is the leader of the block. Now under them, three guys with eight points definitely still involved in the decision-making of this block. Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., and Hiroki Goto. Uh, Below them, with super outside chances of even tying for the top of the block, I've already officially eliminated three of these guys because I can't find a tiebreaker scenario that they could win. And then Kenta is still in the hunt because we did find one specific tiebreaker scenario that Kenta could end up winning the block. And I'm going to explain that when we go through the tiebreaker scenarios, mostly because it's kind of fun to find that really narrow lane for one wrestler to win even though there are so many things that would have to happen perfectly for kenta to be the block winner but at six points we've got toriyano juice robinson hiroshi tanahashi and kenta and then at the bottom of the block with just two points yoshihashi total match length is an interesting thing to take to keep an eye on because tetsuya naito is um not even inching closer to breaking the total match length record for uh, a single G1 Climax tournament, he's almost certainly going to um, surpass that record. He's currently sitting at 2 hours, 58 minutes, and 31 seconds. So that's an average match length of 25 minutes and 29 seconds, which is um, a full four and a half, give or take, minutes longer than the previous record, which was Kazuchika Okada last year in his g1 his total match length was um three hours and nine minutes and some odd seconds so naito definitely gonna cross that threshold given he's got two matches left so he's gotta be tired he's had a long year and a lot of long matches really arduous competitions it's gonna be you, you gotta figure that that's gonna come into play here at some point maybe not during the g1 if he can make it through this g1 without um, fully kind of imploding based on the amount of work he's had to do, he, um, he may be in good shape going forward. I guess the other thing to keep in mind is that um, these guys, this, this G1 Climax tournament has been different than previous years. There are no kind of preview tags on the opposite block nights. So Tetsuya Naito, like that two hours, 58 minutes and 31 seconds, that is in like singles matches, but he also has full days of rest where in previous years he would have had to suit up, go participate in the tag match, probably fight whoever he's fighting the night, uh, the, the, the next night. And he would, um, he wouldn't have that time to heal. So maybe that's what's allowing him to go long and still remain relatively successful. I mean, only the two losses for Naito, um, the losses to Evil and Sonata throughout the tournament so far. Second highest in that metric is a little bit surprising. It's Hiroshi Tanahashi. He's the only one in the B block, the only other wrestler in the B block who has crossed the two-hour threshold. He's at two hours, four minutes, and 45 seconds. He hasn't been quite as successful as Tetsuya Naito. He's only coming into this block night with six points. So there's not a lot else to dissect in kind of the detailed statistics there. 
Um, but what we can take a peek at is our key tiebreakers. Now, a key tiebreaker is a tiebreaker victory over anyone within two points of the top of the block. Now, that'll include the five guys that we've kind of designated as the people who are still in this tournament. Uh, Evil, Tetsuya Naito, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., and Hiroki Goto. And those are the only wrestlers who are going to have key tiebreakers as well. So there's no reason to go and dig into wrestlers who cannot win the block because they will not need a tiebreaker. So at the top of the block, like we know, is Evil. Evil's got 10 points. Evil only has one key tiebreaker. So only one tiebreaker over this group of five wrestlers right now. But it is the best one to have. He defeated Tetsuya Naito just the other night. Tetsuya Naito also with 10 points. He's got a couple of key tiebreakers. Both guys with 8 points, of course. Hiroki Goto and Zack Sabre Jr. Sonata enters his main event on this card against Hiroshi Tanahashi with 8 points. And two key tiebreakers. One being against Tetsuya Naito. Naito at 10 points, so a little bit ahead of Sonata. And one against Zack Sabre Jr. with 8 points. Eight-point Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, comes into his match tonight with two key tiebreakers. One being a really good one to have. He's He defeated Evil. He's the only guy on this list who defeated Evil. So that actually works way in his favor um, when, when we're discussing giving him a chance to win the block. And he also defeated Hiroki Goto, uh, also at eight points. Hiroki Goto only has one tiebreaker. It is over Sonata. Sonata at eight points as well. So all that kind of adds up to our weighted block win probability. And if you listen to yesterday's podcast, you would um, kind of understand that one a little bit more. But I'll, I'll explain it again because it's, I don't know, complex, maybe abstract, but it's actually my way of simplifying everything that I'm looking at to assign a probability to who's going to win this thing, who's going to win the block. So weighted block win probability, it's, it's a weighted combination of points, a wrestler's max points, tiebreaker values, efficiency metrics, remaining opponents, elimination number, and winning or losing streak. Now, the formula weighs points that you already have more than pretty much anything because that's the most important factor to somebody winning a block um, a block like this, right? So beyond that, it takes into account the maximum amount of points that you can earn. Now, that mostly comes into play because um, there are certain tournaments that uh, wrestlers have days off when other block um, wrestlers are still going. So sometimes they have a mixed number of matches that they have already participated in you can see that in the c block here there's three people in that block but only two wrestle on any given day so they bounce between having the same amount and one fewer or one more so you've got to account for the maximum amount of points that they could uh, gain in the future tiebreaker values those are weighted really heavily Um, tiebreaker values are super important, especially in block tournaments with, um, clean tiebreakers like New Japan treats them. If someone beats someone in the, in the block, they're, they're the winner. There's no need to have a tiebreaker match or anything like some of the other Japanese wrestling companies. Efficiency metrics, remaining opponents, elimination number, and streak. Those are involved, but not weighted super heavily. Um, I would say that the remaining opponents, um, so the, the, the future strength of schedule, as we'll call it, that would be the, um, the most heavily weighted 
of that last kind of tail end group efficiency metrics and what we're looking at there is situations like Tetsuya Naito's where he's been in the ring for so long over the course of this tournament how is he going to hold up toward, towards the tail end we're also looking at things like win loss differential um so that's basically like if you're winning fast but losing long you're showing that you're a super um, competitive wrestler so let's look at where we're at with the b block evil's 35.91 percent weighted block win probability represents the highest in the block Evil, of course, is tied with Tetsuya Naito with the most points, and he also benefits from his huge tiebreaker win over Naito at the top of the block. Of this group, only Zack Sabre Jr. owns the tiebreaker over Evil, so that works in Evil's favor as well. No negative points on the tiebreakers with this group of five. Tetsuya Naito comes in with 23.88% chance of winning the block. His 10 points are tied for the most in the block, and he also benefits from the easiest strength of schedule going forward. Naito's near three hours of total match length represent an inefficiency that drags him down, but his losses to Sonata and Evil are the largest factors in his 12% deficit behind Evil. Sonata is the highest rated among the 8-point group. He has the highest tiebreaker factor with Naito and Zack Sabre Jr., and he has momentum on his side. He is currently riding a four-match winning streak. Zack Sabre Jr. has been the most efficient wrestler in this group. Now, we already talked about that. That's not super weighted, but it does exist. He has the lowest average winning match length and the best win-loss differential. Both Naito and Sonata holding tiebreakers over him works against him, though. And then Goto has the lowest probability to win the block of this group. He only holds a tiebreaker over Sonata, and he appears on both Naito and Zack Sabre Jr.'s key tiebreakers list. He also has nothing really notable throughout the rest of the the metrics that tie into weighted block win probability. So that's a little peek under the hood of how I assign probabilities, and just it's a fun way to put it all together and and see where everyone is kind of likely to land. Now we know that that's not always what's going to happen, but if the data is suggesting something, oftentimes it it does end up being the truth, but oftentimes it doesn't. I would say it's maybe 50-50. Last year I used this as I was um, tracking the G1 and we did see an upward trajectory from Ibushi and Jay White. Obviously, with those big long streaks at the end, they ended up with some really key wins, and then they ended up winning their blocks. So it it, it did indicate that they were going to win, but it also gave us an indication of who else was going to be close, who was going to be kind of in the tiebreaker mix. So it, it's a fun way to look at things. Right now, obviously, in the B block, it's pretty clean because Evil's got that tiebreaker over Naito. But when you look at those three with eight points and Sonata is the clear leader there, I think that that's worth keeping an eye on. And I'm really curious what this is going to look like after one more night of block matches. So now that we've looked at kind of the probability of it let's look at the black and white how are these guys going to get eliminated so in the first block match of the night kenta faces off with the already eliminated yoshihashi if kenta loses he's eliminated if kenta wins he'll need a really specific group of things to happen to even stay alive through this night and then i'll explain what he'll also need in the following night i <laughs> 
I won't even explain it in complete detail, but I'll explain what's then possible if all of these things happen on in this card. So if Kenta wins first match of the night, right? So we'll know if this even matters really quickly. If Kenta wins, he'll need Zack Sabre Jr. to defeat Juice Robinson. He'll need Toru Yano to defeat Tetsuya Naito. He'll need Hiroki Goto to defeat Evil. And he'll need Hiroshi Tanahashi to defeat Sonata. Kenta would then need to defeat Tetsuya Naito in his last block match on Saturday, along with another very particular set of results that lands the block in a tie at 10 points with everyone but Juice Robinson and Yoshihashi in an eight-way tie at the end of block competition. In this scenario, Kenta would then win three levels of head-to-head tiebreakers, which is the tiebreaker when you have multiple people involved in a tie. You end up going with head-to-head versus that group. It's kind of a mini block. So he would then win three different levels of head-to-head tiebreakers, and have the longest and most complicated claim to a block victory in G1 Climax history. Like I said, the absolute slimmest of chances to win, but there is a path to victory for Kenta. It is extremely unlikely, but as uh, Joe Lanza uses the double red X when you absolutely positively cannot win, you can't win via points, you can't win via tiebreaker, Kenta did not earn the double red X in our conversation with um, Thomas Fishbeck and Joe Lanza. Uh, Kenta has a path to victory, though the slimmest of margins. The second block match of the evening features Zack Sabre Jr. entering at eight points, still very much alive. He's facing Juice Robinson at six points, who is effectively eliminated via his four losses to wrestlers with six or more points making his ability to win a tiebreaker essentially impossible. Regardless of Zack Sabre Jr.'s result, if Tetsuya Naito wins, Zack Sabre Jr. is eliminated. Zack Sabre Jr. would also be eliminated with a loss plus an evil or Tetsuya Naito gaining a single point, so if either of them draw or win. The middle block match of the night, Toriyano, coming in with six points, will face IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental champion Tetsuya Naito, who enters with 10. Toriyano is effectively eliminated the same way Juice Robinson is. Four losses to wrestlers with six or more points, making his ability to win a large tiebreaker essentially impossible. Naito could be eliminated tonight with a loss to Toriano paired with an evil victory, and a Tetsuya Naito victory leaves Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroki Goto pretty much automatically del- uh, eliminated. The semi-main event will have the resurgent Hiroki Goto entering with 8 points against block leader Evil entering at 10. Evil is the only wrestler on the card tonight who can absolutely not be eliminated from contention, Goto, on the other hand, needs to win, or his tournament will go forward with no chance of block victory. Even if Goto wins, if Tetsuya Naito was successful in the match prior, Goto will be very much a long shot, dependent on multi-person tiebreaker scenarios to give him a chance. And the main event will feature Hiroshi Tanahashi and Sonata. Tanahashi is effectively eliminated, as the best he can do is tie the block leaders, Evil and Tetsuya Naito. But Sonata enters with a chance to land himself at 10 points with a tiebreaker over Tetsuya Naito and a chance to establish a tiebreaker in his final block match against Evil at Ryugoku. 
Simply put, if Sonata wins, he's still alive and actually in pretty good shape. And a Sonata loss, paired with an evil or Tetsuya Naito win, he is eliminated. Sonata will benefit from knowing the stakes of his match entering the main event, as Naito and Evil will wrestle before him. So a lot of dissecting those scenarios on this particular card. The second to last card is usually when things are the most complicated because there are still a couple of options for guys to fall out or get into really that mix for that last night. Usually on the last night, there's a couple of scenarios that could play out. Hopefully these segments get a little bit shorter and we can really dig into some of the main event or main event and semi-main event combination scenarios as we go through the Ryogoku shows that will come up after these um, particular block matches. Let's do a little walkthrough of the card so we've got the main event, like I said, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Sonata. Tanahashi entering with six, Sonata entering with eight points. Hiroshi Tanahashi has quietly amassed the second most total match length in the B block at two hours, four minutes, and 45 seconds already in this tournament. Tanahashi's first match of the tournament is the 11th longest G1 Climax match ever with a decision rendered. That was his loss to Tetsuya Naito. Really kind of set him up off on the, on the wrong foot. He really gave it all in that match, and he couldn't come out victorious. Um, that is not Tanahashi's longest G1 match ever, though. His 27-minute and 56-second victory over AJ Styles in 2015 holds that honor. G1 Climax history, there's always something we can find with Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tanahashi will likely remain at the top of the G1 Climax wins list for many years to come. He's currently at 86. Hiroki Goto and Tetsuya Naito are next closest active competitors with 59 wins each. In terms of 2020, Tanahashi and Sonata have both had kind of disappointing singles runs in 2020. Sonata just squeaked himself over the 500 mark. He is now 8-7. Tanahashi at 4-6 may need to find his ace energy to continue to be a major factor in the NJPW heavyweight division. Head-to-head, always important to keep an eye on. Tanahashi and Sonata have traded victories in four matches since 2016. They are 2-2 against each other. They are also 1-1 in the G1, with Sonata winning their first G1 match in 2016, but Tanahashi winning their second in 2019. The semi-main event will feature Hiroki Goto versus Evil. Goto entering at 8 points, Evil entering with 10. Evil's four-match winning streak is the highest in the tournament. He's tied with block member Sonata as well as Kazuchika Okada on the other side. Evil has labored through his victories, though. He has lost relatively quickly as well. So his negative 8 minutes and 47 seconds win-loss differential is the worst in the tournament by far, with Sonata's negative 6 minutes and 11 seconds the next worst. That may be a strategy, I guess. If, if Evil doesn't see a clear path towards victory, he may be likely to give up in favor of saving his energy for later in the tournament. I don't anticipate seeing that over these last couple of matches. Uh, G1 Climax history. Evil has quietly been a really strong G1 competitor. Evil has averaged 9.5 points in his previous 5 G1s, and he's already surpassed that in this year's tournament. Evil's 24 G1 victories since entering the tournament in 2016 are fourth most in that time frame. 
behind only Tetsuya Naito's 30, Kazuchika Okada's 29, and Hiroshi Tanahashi with 26. Hiroki Goto sits right behind Evil in that same category, with 23 victories over the last five tournaments. Evil has been one of the stories of 2020, of course. With a win tonight, Evil would tie Kazuchika Okada for the most singles victories in New Japan in 2020. He would then have 13. Head-to-head, Evil and Hiroki Goto have met five times, dating back to 2015. Goto leads the series between them 3-2. They've never met in the G1, but they have wrestled each other on many other big New Japan stages, including Power Struggle, Wrestling Dontaku, Dominion, New Beginning in Osaka, and this past year's, well, this year's New Japan Cup. Goto looks to avenge his loss in this year's New Japan Cup with a victory over the now-former IWGP heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. In the middle block match of the night, we've got Tetsuya Naito facing Toru Yano. Naito, of course, entering with 10 points. Yano entering with 6. Tetsuya Naito may be exhausted at this point in the tournament. He has two matches left, but with just 10 minutes and 47 seconds more in this tournament, Naito will break the record for the highest total match length in a single G1 Climax. Fortunately for his stamina, Naito faces Toriyano, whose matches have averaged just 6 minutes and 37 seconds in this tournament. The data that popped out most to me in regards to G1 Climax history with these two, Toriyano is in danger of tying Yuji Nagata and Hiroyoshi Tenzan for the most all-time G1 losses. If Yano loses his last two matches, he will join them at 67 at the top of that esteemed list. In 2020, Tetsuya Naito's 29-minute and 1-second average match length is still more than 10 minutes higher than his 18.43 average from 2019. Naito is likely hoping his match with Yano will knock some time right off of that. Yano's 6.29 average winning match length is the shortest in NJPW in 2020. That includes guys with only one victory or young lions and things of the sorts. And as you can imagine, Tetsuya Naito and Toriyano have quite a bit of history. They have faced each other nine times, dating back to 2010, with Naito leading the all-time series 6-3. Eight of their matches have happened during the G1 Climax, and Naito leads the G1 series 5-3. Yano's victory over Naito in last year's tournament broke a Tetsuya Naito's five-match winning streak against Yano in their all-time series. The likelihood of Naito breaking that total match length record tonight is slim. Naito and Yano haven't crossed the 10-minute threshold since 2011, and their nine matches all-time have averaged just 7 minutes and 55 seconds. Naito's got to be hoping for a quick and, you know, at least brief match with Toriyano so he can kind of get back on track, give give himself a day off, Eh, maybe not a day off, but a lighter day and hopefully go forward for his sake. The second block match of the night will be Juice Robinson facing off against Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. still has plenty to fight with coming in at 8 points, Juice coming in at 6. Zack Sabre Jr.'s 19-minute and 35-second average losing match length is second longest in the B block, only shorter than, of course, Tetsuya Naito's 25-minute and 33-second average in that category. 
head-to-head. Zach Sabre Jr. and Juice Robinson have faced each other twice, once in the first round of the inaugural IWGP United States title tournament and once in the 2018 G1. Zack Sabre Jr. was victorious both times. And the first block match of the night will be Yoshihashi versus Kenta. Yoshihashi eliminated. He's coming in with just two points. Kenta coming in with six. Now, Yoshihashi, there's a little bit to explore here because he's having a not-so-great tournament, but also kind of good. So, and I'll explain that. So, his four-match losing streak is the longest in the B block. That's tied with Toriano currently. Yoshihashi may not have been able to complete many victories, but he has had his most competitive G1 Climax tournament in his history. His 17-minute and 25-second average losing match length is three minutes longer than his previous high from 2017. So he's putting up much more of a fight. Even though he can't finish the job and get the win, he's definitely been better. Like, he's quantifiably been better. So that maybe gets him a spot in next year's tournament. I don't really know. Like, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to gauge Yoshihashi's performance here. But uh, bad news for Yoshihashi. Based on the Sport of Pro Wrestling ranking system, Yoshihashi is the actual statistically worst G1 Climax competitor of all time. Uh, The Sport of Pro Wrestling ranking system does weight recency, so there may be a little bit of a recency bias here. But his one win showing during this tournament has clearly not helped his cause. Kenta and Yoshihashi have fought once. That was in New York City uh, at an event I actually attended at Hammerstein Ballroom. It was for the Never Openweight title and Kenta defeated Yoshihashi in 25 minutes and 4 seconds. All right, that's the card. Um, we've previewed all five matches. We talked a lot about the elimination scenarios. We went through weighted block win probability, and we talked a little bit about how each of these guys can go forward and potentially win this tournament. We're not going to do a C block update tonight because I've cheated. I am a night ahead, but I am finally ahead of the G1 climax. I will return with your C block update on uh, the next A block preview show. Of course, you can find this preview in written form at sportofprowrestling.com or voicesofwrestling.com. I know it's a little easier to track those tie-breaking scenarios and those elimination um, scenarios if you've got it in written form in front of you. This is all right there on my preview for this card. Or you can drop me a follow on Twitter at TheChrisSamsa. I promise I will be tweeting elimination scenarios and tiebreakers, etc. During these cards, I will be awake and live and doing it live. So if you want to verify what you're thinking or call me out on my uh, potential mistakes, these are things that will happen. There's a lot going on with these tiebreakers. I love to interact and figure it out. It is the most fun I have all year. I really appreciate you giving me a listen, letting me be the one that catches you up on the G1. I'm excited to go through these last four or five cards with you guys, and I will see you next time on the Sport of Pro Wrestling Podcast.